You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Whether you need a battery for your truck or batteries for your trail cameras, Interstate Batteries has the batteries for your everyday life. Stop into a local retail location. They have thousands upon thousands of them all over the United States or go and visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. You're listening to the Average Conservationist Podcast brought to you by Go Hunt and in partner with 2% for Conservation. Sign up today to become an insider at GoHunt.com. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for Conservation. 2% helps businesses and people pair with conservation causes to support things that fit what they care about. Whether you're into fishing, hunting, or just getting outdoors, 2% can help you not only start giving back to wildlife, but get certified for it. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitments as popular brands like Sitka, First Light, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of your time and dollars back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their community for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for conservation at fishandwildlife.org. That's fishandwildlife.org. What's up, everyone? Happy Thursday. Welcome back to the Average Conservationist Podcast, and I'm your host, Marcus Ewing. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Roby Birch, and Roby is the founder of 2% Certified Birch Barrel. And really, Roby and I have a, a really awesome conversation, uh, and it's always enjoyable for me when I get to speak to someone and the conversation just kind of comes very naturally, and you, you, you get talking to them, and it feels like you've known the guy forever, uh, and that's certainly how the conversation uh, with Roby and I went. Uh, we get to hear, you know, really the origin story of Birch Barrel and how, you know, one Sunday afternoon, uh, Roby had this idea of, you know, wanting to sit by the fire and, and grill some food and drink some beers. And, you know, out of that came Birch Barrel. And he does uh, certainly a much better job of telling the story. Um, but if you're not familiar, Birch Barrel uh, is a grill and it's really kind of blown up and come on the scene uh, within the last year and is really kind of changing the way uh, that people not only grill, but, um, you know, spend their time outdoors. And that's really kind of what Roby and the team at Birch Barrel were going for. And it's uh, it's a really kind of unique um, grill 
device. I don't, I don't know if device is the right word, but it, it's really unique uh, with a lot of the different things and functionality that it has that you might not think when you think of uh, either a charcoal or a wood burning grill. And, and the birch barrel is certainly uh, capable of doing both. Um, you know, along with that, you know, Roby and I get to talk about, you know, some of the organizations uh, that they're giving back to, not only from a conservation side of things, uh, but they also uh, put a big emphasis on giving back to uh, to a few different veteran organizations as well, which uh, Roby and I talk about that it's uh, certainly very important uh, that they are giving back to them and, and that they're, you know, trying to, to do all they can to support them as well. So really awesome episode. If you guys haven't, please be sure to check out Birch Barrel. So episode 71, Roby Birch. Enjoy. Before our conversation with Roby, though, I want to take a minute to tell you about our friends over at Stone Glacier. Uh, be sure to go to iTunes or Google Play and download the Stone Glacier app to stay up to date on all the latest uh, happenings, releases, uh, videos, uh, all the above um, with Stone Glacier. Um you know, for most places, uh, season is in full swing. If you're in the Midwest, some of your seasons are kicking off uh, this coming weekend. Um, and if you're looking for any last minute gear, um, base layers, outer layers, uh, you need a new pack because your old one just isn't going to work for you anymore. Check out StoneGlacier.com. They have a, a slew of awesome gear, awesome products, anything that you're going to need when you're, you know, in the whitetail woods, in the backcountry, whatever the case is. Um, be sure and check them out. So again, head over to stoneglacier.com. All right. I'd like to welcome into the podcast today, the founder of 2% Certified Birch Barrel, Mr. Roby Birch. Roby, how are you today? Doing well, Marcus. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to hear more about the company. Uh, obviously I, I think I first discovered Birch Barrel, um, probably like a lot of people through social media, uh, over the last maybe year, I would say, and, uh, definitely excited to, uh, yeah, find out more and kind of hear the origin story that is Birch Barrel. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, we're glad, glad to be on it today and looking forward to talking to you about it. Yeah. So let's kind of jump right into it here. So tell me, tell me what exactly is Birch Barrel and for the listeners that may not know, kind of start at the beginning here. Tell us everything that it is. Sure. Yeah. Well, the way, you know, the way we approach or I approached Birch Barrel, actually, I made the first product in my backyard in college um i was a i went to i'm originally born and raised from philadelphia pennsylvania um still spend a lot of time back there too just because my whole family's there but went to college in a small town called gettysburg um south central pennsylvania uh and you know one day when i was a senior woke up was was bored on a sunday morning felt like uh sitting by a fire and drinking beer and growing up some food with buddies and uh, the product that I wanted didn't exist. So I, I, you know, I looked around, there were sort of crappy fire pits out there. There were average grills out there. And I was like, you know, there's gotta be something that's just, you know, a little bit more rugged, a little bit more industrial and just something that's cool that I would be stoked to show people and spend time with and bring to a party with me, uh, or, you know, a day party, what have you. And so I couldn't find it. So I made the first one literally out of like chains and tow hooks that I got at tractor <laughs> supply company, um, just on a complete lark. And, you know, the first, uh, first tripod was a literally like a plumbing pipe clothing rack that we pulled out of a dumpster near our house and, you know, <laughs> our, my college house. And, you know, it was a totally, you know, you know, 
just sort of this like rigged up thing. It just, it was okay. It was sort of like a galvanized tub. So definitely not what you want to be burning and in and cooking on. So we, but it went through a couple of iterations and we sort of found this barrel and we, we cut it in half. And next thing you know, that worked perfectly. And I just ran with it um, and used it throughout college and, you know, graduated school and started working a job that, although it was a great company and I really enjoyed it, it wasn't quite gratifying enough for me. Yeah, um, uh, Growing up, I'd spent a ton of time in Montana. My entire life I'd been coming out here. My family had a ranch. So I grew up sort of doing the ranching thing and, you know, working outside. I'd never had a job at a desk and I just didn't have the same feeling of gratification working at the job that I had at that time. Um, I, I was always very inspired by brands like Yeti or Sitka. And I thought to myself, how, what, you know, what's my avenue to being affiliated with or working with brands like the ones that are being a building a brand, like the one that's inspired me. Uh, and the, the birch barrel seemed like a really good opportunity to do exactly that. Um, so we approached the birch barrel or uh, the grill industry the same way that I like to think that, you know, the guys who have founded these other great brands, you know, approach their brand businesses. Um, so let's, let's build a core anchor product, but let's build an awesome brand around it that people can identify with and that people are stoked to, you know, put the sticker on the back of their pickup truck. Um, and that was sort of, that's sort of been the goal from day one. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, first off, I mean, kudos to you on just the ingenuity to write, to like rig something up in the backyard on a Sunday where, I mean, you're a senior in college, let's be honest, like you're probably feeling a little rough from the night before. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and to, you know, and then you come up with kind of the, let's call it the, the original prototype, right? And then, you know, figure out kind of some, some second and third iterations to, to make it a bit more usable or, or just, you know, better suited for what you were looking for. And to see where it's at now, I mean, that's, that's incredible. I mean, so from the time, you know, let's say you graduated college and you started working this other job that, you know, wasn't as fulfilling and as gratifying as you were looking for. I mean, were you still using kind of the, the you know, the second or third iteration, the one that you had, had really kind of landed out in college there? Yeah, absolutely. No, I, um, I had, I had it. I'd, um, it was, it was sort of in my backyard and I was living at home at the time. So, uh, my mom was not thrilled with the fact that she had a big rusty, uh, you know, burn barrel that was hanging from a tripod in the backyard, but she, <laughs> she was a good sport. She got over it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, it, it was always sort of the epicenter of, you know, parties I had at my house or when I had friends over, but it was definitely, uh, definitely part of the game. Um, yeah. And so the thing that I, that I think, I, well, I certainly love this about Birch Barrel and I've got to imagine that there's a lot of other people out there, you know, like you, like me, that there's just there's this camaraderie right there's this you can't really put your finger on it but like sitting around a fire and whether you're you know kind of grilling some stuff up caveman style right or you know you got a stick mm -hmm. or you're you've got a grate over like half of it grilling up some steaks some chicken whatever the case is having some beers like you've kind of combined you know two things that virtually everyone loves to do sit around a campfire have some drinks hang out with your your buddies your, your family things like that and combine that into the birch barrel right combine it into yeah. this one thing and you can take it anywhere right it's not just the fire pit in the backyard right i mean 
it, it's mobile. I, I've certainly seen a lot of um, uh, like uh, videos and whatnot that you guys have posted on posted on social media that that show the versatility of it because you know the the more you kind of learn about it, the the more you see that it's not this huge kind of clunky contraption that that's hard to get from point A to point B like virtually every other grill out there unless it's you know like a a, a very small like coleman you know gas camping yeah. grill or something like that right yeah 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 no i mean well, the way we describe the barrel is that it's portable enough right i mean it's not it's certainly not um you know i think it's the traeger ranger the one that's super portable that you can pack it up take it with you where you want to go um having said that it's definitely easy enough to break it down throw it in the back of your truck and hold a deer camp with you or hold a base camp with you or onto the beach um you name it and that's what my original, you know, the way I originally envisioned the the brand and the business was we want to be the epicenter of your outdoor activity or where you sort of sell it, you end your pursuit at the end of the day. So, you know, whether you have a full tag or not, it's, you know, a filled tag, excuse me, or not at the end of the day, like it doesn't get much better than, like you said, standing around the fire with buddies at elk camp, drinking a beer, uh, and just having a good time. Um, you know, that's, that was important for us. And we, we sort of chased down that, that feeling of, you know, you know, camaraderie, like exactly the way that you described it. Yeah, no, it seems like you guys have certainly hit the nail on the head with that. And, you know, not only obviously is, is it a grill, but you know, you're done with the burgers, you know, the steaks, whatever, and you still got a fire, right? So it's not like you shut it off and you walk away and you head inside. I mean, you, you have, you literally have everything that you need all in one spot. So it's a, it's a killer idea. And, you know, to be honest, it's, it's kind of surprising. And and you kind of touched on it when you were talking about, you know, the origin of it is that, that there's not something or there wasn't something out there like that. I mean, because, right. You know, uh, charcoal grills have been around forever, right. But they're, they're a pain in the butt if you got to take it from point A to point B. And there's just something about cooking over, you know, an open flame that, uh, is kind of primitive um if you will but it's it, i don't know it's it's a it's a hard thing to kind of describe but when you see it you know what it is right yeah no absolutely and you know it just like exactly exactly what you said it's there's something about the fact that it's a fire pit it's a grill it's a lot of things um we know that we can't be everything to everybody but you know for a lot of people for the guy who likes to cook with charcoal and look and cook with wood and with fire and sort of connect with that sort of that that primal instinct it's the it's the great it's a great product um and i think that's why we do so well or you know we've been able to identify with uh the outdoorsman who really you know cares about the quality of their gear and uh the versatility of their gear as well yeah it's almost like um i mean one there's there's there seems to have been a a large shift uh over the past you know five eight maybe even ten years going back that far but with a, a lot of outdoorsmen, outdoors women, you know, putting that emphasis back on, you know, getting, you know, knowing where their meat came from, you know, hunting, um, absolutely to to want to, you know, feed their families to have good lean protein, and you know, and with that has come, you know, they want to display, you know, and they want to be able to really cook, you know, these good meals and kind of do, you know, a real service to the animal. Uh, to you know whatever game it is that they're cooking up and kind of piggybacking off of that you know there's a lot of outdoorsmen are and outdoors women they're 
they're kind of self-proclaimed gearheads, right? Like they want the latest and greatest. And like this kind of falls in to, to that into some degree, but it's not, you know, there's not a ton of bells and whistles. It's, it's, it's very kind of simple in nature with obviously some cool features that, that, you know, we'll have you touch on here, but it's, it's, it's like this new gear, right? And it's something that I think it resonates with, with a lot of, you know, outdoorsmen and especially i feel like the kind of the the younger generation that seems to be kind of leading that charge with you know hunting for the for the purpose of you know getting meat uh you know for their friends and for their family yeah absolutely and you know i think that uh, again very lucky to have been able to hit the to start this business when i did um you know we we got into it right at the exactly like we were talking about that time where people are people want to know where their food's coming from and they want to be in touch with the food that's on the grill. Um, they, you know, they want to cook with fire. They don't want to put, you know, they w- don't really want to cook with gas as much as they want to. And, you know, I'm a huge, I'm a big gearhead. always have been um, ever since I was a kid. I mean, like I just, you know, a- a- any sport that I could play growing up where I got to get a different helmet and set of shoulder pads for it, I was all in. I mean, that's just <laughs> always been my thing has been gear. And then as I sort of grew up and got away from, you know, athletics as much as I did, you know, graduated from school and, you know, getting older, you know, playing as much organized sports or anything like that. Hunting was such a natural um, filler for that, right? Where I had gears for, or I had gear for all these different pursuits. And so I was able to approach this from a gearhead's perspective of like, well, what do I want this thing to be able to do? Uh, and at its core, right? At the very, at its core, at the bare minimum, it had to be a good fire pit, right? That was the most important thing. And then we were able, once we really figured out what we wanted the product to do bare minimum, we were able to build up from there and sort of chase down those wild ideas of like, okay, well, can you cook with fire? Can you cook with charcoal? Uh, Is it easy to clean out? Is it easy to pack up and take with you where you want to go? So knowing most importantly who we are and who we weren't as a brand, as a business allowed us to sort of, you know, build the product out. And now it's, you know, that actually made it all the more attractive to people who might not even be hunters was that we figured out how to, you know, cook over fire effectively um, and tap into something that we've actually been doing as humans forever. Yeah. You, you made a, you made a point there with like uh, being a gearhead kind of from an early age and, you know, I, I, same way, like I played a lot of sports growing up and multiple sports. Right. So anytime like you got to kind of the next level, right. And you got your, your Jersey was a different color, right. You're like, boom, yeah. you know, now I got to get some new gloves or I got to get new cleats, yeah, whatever the yeah, case yeah. is. Right. And then, eventually that runs out, right? I mean, unless you're fortunate enough to to play on and, and make a career out of it, that runs out. And it's almost like hunting in the outdoors is like that perfect transition where it's like, well, here's something that I can continue to do. And guess what? Yep. I need a lot of cool shit for it. So yeah. boom, oh, yeah. I found I found a way that I can uh, kind of keep that going. Absolutely, absolutely. So Roby, what did the process look like? So from the time... I guess, uh, let me take a step back. So when you decided to to leave the job and kind of give Birch Barrel a run, you know, give it an honest try and, and try to build a, a brand and build a business out of that, what did that process mm-hmm. look like going from uh, the, the barrel that you had at the time to, you know, what customers see now and what we see now and what's available? You know, it was, uh, it's, so I actually, it's interesting. I, I come from a family where being entrepreneurial is very, very much a norm. Um, you know, we are, 
my dad, when we were growing up, he, oh, his biggest sort of dinner table speech was, I can't really teach you how to be a doctor or a lawyer, uh, but I could definitely show you how to get into business for yourself. Um, so the process of actually starting the business and make, taking the jump was not, that was, that was easy. Um, you know, it was a little nerve wracking. Um, but then it was a matter of, okay, how do we actually, like you're asking, develop a product, um, and develop a product that's going to be, you know, game changing. Um, you know, part of that other sort of family background is that most of my family's always been in, uh, women's apparel or apparel and fashion. So in that world, everything's got to move quickly. I mean, there's no, you know, you do not give up perfection for progress. Um, you get a product, you get it to market, and then you continue to develop these products quickly. Uh, for Birch Barrel, for a hard good like this, especially one that we wanted to be uncompromising, um, we, I signed up for an eight, basically an 18-month um, product development process here where it was two months of just market research and discovery and looking at, and looking at a competitive analysis, seeing what other types of grills are out there in the world uh, and in the marketplace. So, you know, it was... 18 months of development. We looked at every other girl out there in the world. We talked to chefs, pit masters, and backyard, you know, grill dads who just were looking for something new. Um, and we took the original barrel. And honestly, what we took it, the most important thing that came from the original barrel was the shape, right? It was the tripod with the barrel below it. And there's something to that, to the golden ratio of it, the way that just looking at it was extremely appealing to people and pleasing to people um, for, and people wanted to stand around it. Taking that shape was the most important thing that we did. Uh, taking that shape and then designing it to a point where it was simple in nature yet advanced in technology, that was the hard part. Um, so from the core barrel itself, it was a lot of, a lot of you know, drawings and a lot of, uh, you know, looking at swatches of materials, bronze, steel, uh, looking at other brands like Gunner Kennels, for instance, uh, that, those were, they were a huge inspiration for me looking at Yeti. Well, you look at Yeti and I thought there's a lot of plastic and rubber, which really you can't do with a fire pit. So right. we had to sort of take into account all these different materials and all, all these things. And we had to sort of, you know, we talked about aluminum because aluminum is way lighter than steel, but aluminum doesn't you know, a people are a little skeptical when it comes to cooking with aluminum. Um, so we had to answer all of these questions, um, and we sort of went the shotgun approach on the design part of it. We threw out a bunch of crazy ideas, picked out what we liked from each idea, and slowly sort of worked our way back to center uh, to the point where we had a very fine line and we knew exactly what product we wanted to do uh, or what product we wanted to have. Um, so it, it, you know by no means was it uh, short and sweet. It was, uh, it was a long process. And, you know, I, I really should say we tested the crap out of the first one. I mean, I can remember taking a uh, tangle free decoy bag, ripping the, the liner out of the inside or the, the, the dividers and out of the inside and putting it the first barrel in a decoy bag checking it on an airplane to Bozeman, Montana to take it on a duck hunt with me. I mean, so here's this, you know, 21-year-old kid showing up at the airport with a giant, you know, steel object and a padded <laughs> decoy bag trying to get it to go through TSA security. And they're just like, what the, you know, what the fuck is this thing? Um, and I just sort of had, I'm like, it's a grill. I know it's it looks funny, but it's a grill. Um, so, you know, and it was 18 months of, 
product development, testing, and brand building. And, you know, iteration from the one that I started, I mean, I can look at them in my office right now. Uh, you know, we had chains as what connected the barrel to the tripod on the first one, but chains never really made it even. So we had to get rid of the chain. So there was a lot, it was a lot of material switches. It was a lot of mechanical switches, um, a lot of things that we made. But once we had an idea of who we were as a brand and business and what the product needed to be, like I said, we were able to sort of start walking that finer line to our, our MVP, our Birch Barrel V1, uh, which we launched last year. Yeah. So the, what you kind of talked about early on in the, uh, kind of in the, let's say the, the overall design, uh, process and kind of the, the overall aesthetic of it. And with the tripod and the barrel hanging from the middle, you know, every, whenever someone's grilling, like maybe it's just a guy thing, right. But everyone's like, what do you got going over there? Right. Like they're always wanting to come and yep. check on, on what's going on, how they're doing it, maybe offer their own advice, whatever the case is. Right. And yep. with something like the barrel and the tripod, is like everyone can be around it, right? It's 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 yeah. very inviting, right? And there's something kind of regal about, you know, like the the tripod. It's almost kind of pyramid esque, right? So there's mm-hmm. there's something uh, to be said about that. So I mean, the I think yeah, if it was like on four posts and just hanging from the center, I don't know that it would quite uh, have the same, I guess, appeal or allure uh, as totally. as the tripod, you know. No, I, I, the tripod is, is, you know, it's a game changer, right? I mean, it's, it's what, it's what, it's what puts the barrel trail in the air, right? It's what makes it from a fire pit into a grill. And I think that, you know, we, we have a couple of, you know, sort of cheesy sales lines of like what, you know, what makes the birch barrel better. But one thing that I think is true and, you know, I'm not judging the quality of like other products by any means, but it seems that every other grill company although they talk about cooking outside, they're trying to make cooking outside feel more like cooking inside. And we're just trying to do the exact opposite, right? I mean, this is, this is about spending time outside. This is about doing what you're talking about, bringing people together, cooking outside where it's a, you know, food is a a social thing. Um, Fire is a social thing. People cooking together and spending time with one another. um, That's an underlying core of who we are. And, you know, we don't, you don't, we don't want you to be the, you know, the grill dad in the corner who with his back to everybody, you know, while his buddies are cracking jokes and you're sitting there worried about what's on the grill. Uh, we think that you can do both. We think that you can grill together. Uh, it's a social exercise. Uh, you know, the lid doubles as a beer shelf. You can put your beer right on the lid. It's not going to fall off, you know, check on your food. Um, it, like I said, this is not a, this is a centerpiece. It's not a, it's not for the corner. Um, and it's, you know, 360 degrees of interaction. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's huge because yeah, it's, uh, it, I, well, I'm not even going to try to elaborate on that. Cause you kind of, you, you nailed it all right there, but what you guys said, I guess with knowing, you know, what you wanted to be, uh, in a brand and, you know, kind of what you guys stood for and what you wanted to convey with your product, I think a lot of people kind of miss that whenever they're starting a business or whenever they're trying to develop a, a brand, right? Is maybe they know what they want to produce, but they don't know, you know, what they want the brand to stand for. And a lot of times that can get lost and, and maybe you don't appeal exactly or is appeal to as many of your potential customers as, as you maybe thought you were because the message is kind of lost, even if you've got, a, you know, a great product, right? The the messaging is is what's missing. And that's one thing I think, that that you and the team at Birch Barrel do really well is like 
almost every time you see uh, you know a social media post or a video or something along the, something along those lines is there's you know more than one person right in the video yeah. it's, there's two there's three there's four you know whatever the case is like it's always uh, a gathering place and, and that's that's something that you can you can certainly tell that was a, a focus and something that you guys wanted to to build the brand around yeah absolutely no it's uh you know it, we it was from day one we always said it, it's sort of like you know this is the barrel at a construction site with guys trying to keep their hands warm um it's it's uh it, it's the kitchen island right people want to you know it's funny people always end up in the kitchen at house parties they just want to hang out around the kitchen there's food people are hanging out um so it's a portable hearth and we we wanted it to be a social product we wanted it to be a a social brand um you know stories told lies told all that fun stuff yeah probably certainly more of the latter than the prior <laughs> exactly exactly you know somehow that that deer just got a lot bigger in my story than it was when i actually saw him but yeah. hey not all bad <laughs> we've all been there so what is it i guess that that really or no what are the advantages i guess uh, to cooking you know over wood as opposed to charcoal or you know what a lot of people do, you know, like with a Traeger, with the pellets or, you yep. know, with propane or with gas, you know, what are the, the advantages of, you know, cooking over wood? Sure. Well, so, I mean, we, it's, it's a great question. Um, it's funny. I, I actually use a combination of charcoal and wood. I use both. Um, charcoal really allows me to build a nice hot coal bed that I can supplement with real, with real wood. Um, so whether it's an oak, hickory, cherry, you name it, um, really what it is more than anything is you're getting a lot of great flavor profiles from the types of wood that you're cooking with. Uh, you know, with, with your oak and your hickory, it's a little bit, you know, it's a stronger taste, um, not quite as sweet, a little bit smokier. Uh, when you get into your fruit woods, it's a sweeter taste and you pair it with like a, a lighter meat, like a chicken, something like that. Um, it really allows, you know, cooking with wood allows you to just, it, you, you use wood, the same way you use any sort of seasoning, right? Um, putting, you know, sort of pairing it with the type of meat you're going to cook uh, allows you to enhance the way the food's going to taste um, is really what it comes down to. Uh, in addition to that, you know, the ability to actually have some flames going when you're trying to get a nice sear is a, is a huge benefit. Uh, unfortunately, being based in Montana, we're not surrounded by a ton of hardwoods that, are, you know, allow themselves to, to good cooking wood, but we're uh, we're figuring out a way to to make that a uh, more common around here at least. Yeah. So as someone you know personally who's never I've I've cooked with charcoal a little bit, but primarily mm -hmm. it's been like gas or or like a pellet grill of some sort. Yep. So how difficult is it to kind of maintain um, you know your temperature? Um, is is that something that just kind of comes with time and practice and experience, or is it? you know, relatively easy for someone kind of just getting into cooking with wood sure. or, you know, the combination of the two. So, you know, so what we've noticed actually a lot with our customers and we love this about them is that they are approaching the barrel as a new way to cook, um, you know, cooking with wood, cooking with fire. Uh, having said that charcoal sort of allows you to have some training wheels. Um, it allows you to get your feet wet and understand how to actually work the mechanics of the birch barrel. Um, you know, it's not, it's not, once you get the hang of it, it's just like anything, you sort of start to pick it up and get better at it uh, and understand how the product actually works. So 
I always recommend with, to start with charcoal and to get your feet wet there. And that will allow you to understand the, the way the, you know, the barrel drafts in air sort of to get the airflow going and to understand how it works. One thing that, that we were, were really excited about for Birch Barrel and we're thrilled when we sort of developed it was all the other grills out there prior or charcoal grills out there prior to Birch Barrel, they only allowed you to move your coals to the left or the right. You had no versatility going up and down and as a way to adjust how much or the intensity of the heat on the food that you were cooking. So what we made it, we made it do is so that you could actually take the coal basket that your charcoal and your wood was sitting in and you could raise it all the way to the top. So if you're doing something like a hot dog or you're at a tailgate and you need super intense heat for just heat and see, heat and sear type things, raise it up and to the top of the uh, track system and you're good. If you're doing a steak, you can do that a little bit more mid track. Uh, or if you're doing a smoke, you can lower it to the bottom and really go low and slow with it. Um, like I said, charcoal is a nice, you know, a nice training wheel for that because you can figure out charcoal. You can, you can, you can learn that pretty easily, you know, with YouTube and all these other ways of, you know, learning nowadays. Uh, and then as you get a little bit more comfortable with the actual birch barrel, you can add, you can start to sort of experiment a little bit, a little bit. You can add char some wood in on top of your charcoal, um, get used to it in that way. So, you know, from a, learning how to use a product perspective and learning how to cook with charcoal. My recommendation to people is always go get a bag of Kingsford briquettes, get some lighter fluid, take your time. Don't, don't rush. Don't expect this to be, you know, a flip of the switch and you're in business or, you know, don't, don't pull the classic, like soak it in lighter fluid and then just light it and put your food on five minutes later. Take your time. Enjoy it. Enjoy the process. Be process oriented. Um, and just, take you know just get you get the hang of it so i i always sort of recommend like burgers right you know can't it's hard to sort of screw it up take your time throw the burgers on there and and get it right the first time uh we had we've had some people who their first their first meal off the bat they're like trying to cook a brisket on a charcoal birch grill and i'm like oh, dude geez. you are you are swinging for the fences and um you know it can it's not it's it can come back to bite us so you know, charcoal, the, the key to learning how to cook with wood, learning learning how to cook with charcoal is to, to take your time, not expect to be perfect at it day one. Um, don't even bring uh, don't even bring wood into the picture on day one. Just just start with the charcoal um, and, you know, don't cook a brisket. Make, keep it simple. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that is certainly uh, very wishful and optimistic thinking. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to throw. Yeah. Uh, listen, I still can't cook a brisket to save my life. Uh, and I've been doing this for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> so and one thing that well, kind of tell me about, you know, some of the features, because I know there's a there's a ton of cool things, you know, that if you've only maybe just uh, seen it, uh, you know, once or twice birch barrel uh, or if you. You know, I've just kind of pieced together what we're talking about, you know, through, you know, you're kind of envisioning it yourself if you've not seen it for, for maybe some of the listeners. Uh, kind of walk through some of the features because sure. obviously it's it's a two-piece barrel, but you, you're the expert. You go ahead and tell, tell me about it. Yeah, absolutely. So the, you know, aside from, you know, looking cool and looking different um, and sort of having this awesome, you know, this really tough exterior um, the barrel, the way we designed it was, and like is what I just said a minute ago, but being able to raise and lower the height that your coals are sitting within the barrel, within the grill itself, um, and is important, right? You and I, would, I, 
people like cooking with charcoal and cooking with wood because they like the flavor that it gives their food. And, you know, I love the, the, the sort of ceremony behind that. Um, but being able to, you know, hu- you know, cook my steak at 250 degrees and then raising the height that my coals are sitting and searing it at 500 is awesome. Right. I mean, or a little bit more than 500, 600 being able to sear it, you know, that versatility is not something that I could get on a Weber kettle. Um, you know, not at least not easily. Uh, uh, the second feature that is, you know, it's, it's sort of somewhere between novelty and, and feature, but being able to, we've made it so that you can actually lower the lid and attach it to the grill surface and then pull your grill up in the air. Um, literally removing the grill surface with food on it away from the heat source. Uh, and that again, allows you to, um, you know, adjust the height, you know, how much heat is actually getting into the, into the lid. So I'm still cooking with fire. I'm still cooking with charcoal. I'm getting that great taste, but I'm not drying the food out because I'm just blasting it with too much heat right now. Um, you know, and we do, and the way you actually raise the food up and to remove it from the grill is with our pistol grip, we call it. And basically what it is, is it's a, you know, it's a, cable that runs through a pulley that's sort of and again it all sounds more complicated when you're trying to explain it without being around a product uh but you know you can find out a lot on our website but you know being able to raise the food up in the air and just having an open fire underneath your food's going to cook it might take a little longer you can obviously make it go faster faster if you lower it down but we call it the hover smoke and it's a great way to you know have your food stand over an open fire let that fire let that smoke fill the, the lid above it uh, and cook your food to your liking. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's really, those are the two key distinguishing features. Uh, the, really the major, you know, leg up for being able to lift the grill grate off is actually, it gives me full access to my charcoal and to my wood. So there's nothing worse than the guy at the barbecue who has to, who lights his grill, puts the grill grate on, adds all the fuel food. Next thing you know, his coals are out. He has to remove all the food, remove the grill gate and he's back to step one we've completely gone around that um, and made it so that you can sort of keep the process going, add more fuel, add more food and uh, you know, crank out as much food as possible. Well, yeah, especially if you think of like uh, like an all day type barbecue or something like that, yeah. right? Where you're just kind of continually adding food and you don't want to have to go through the whole process of restarting your fire. And you know, if you're yeah. midway through some, some chicken or some burgers or something, just boom, you know, lift everything up, you know, throw some more wood or, or, whatever that you need to, to keep things going, lower it back down and, and you're off and running. You don't miss a beat. And those are, you know, like I've, I know what, what some of the features are just cause I've obviously, you know, been following along and, you know, really think your product is cool. So but yeah, those were certainly the ones that I wanted to, to, to make sure that you kind of talked about because it does, it separates really birch barrel from any other type of, of grill, regardless of, you know, how it's powered from, yep. from everyone else on the market. Yeah. And that's sort of what I was explaining, trying, you know, saying earlier, what with the original design intent, it was, it's gotta be simple in nature to the extent that it cooks your food. It allows you to have a fire and it, it enhances your atmosphere, but advanced in technology. I mean, being able to lower the lid and attach it and raise it up and being able to adjust the height that your coals are sitting. It's just like, those are big, big legs up for our brand and for our product. Um, and they're key distinguishers. And, um, 
they, I think, you know, those are a big reason that we've had um, some great consumer feedback and why people are in love with the product. Yeah. And your the tripod, those legs are adjustable too, right? So, yeah, yeah, so if you're yeah. on uneven so, surfaces. Yep. Um, if you are on even or on uneven surfaces, even, and, you know, even the parking lot is never perfectly flat or the backyard is never perfectly flat. I've found myself having to make some micro adjustments here and there. Um, but the legs, we have a, a clutch accent action system, we call it, where we can extend the legs a little bit by matter of, you know, you have six inches to play with if you need it. But if you have a slight down slope or, you know, you're on, you're in a campground that's not perfectly even, you can adjust the height that the, the legs are actually sitting down on the ground. Um, and that's a, it's a great feature. I, we don't actually see people using it as much as we probably would like to. Um, but that just means that they're setting up an, a, a, a stable environment to use the product. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. So kind of shifting gears a little bit and we've kind of touched on it throughout the course of our conversation here with, you know, the outdoors and, you know, cooking outdoors and everything like that. So, you know, Roby, and you also kind of touched on, you know, spending a lot of time uh, out west in Montana there. So what did the outdoors, you know, really look like to you growing up? I mean, how were you introduced to it and kind of walk me through that? Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, it's a, no, it's a, I I tend to take these answers and make them very long winded, but um, there's a, there's a long backstory to it, but the, you know, ultimately my, what, how this all started was, you know, my family is not steep in hunting tradition, right? It's not like my granddad hunted and he passed along to my dad and he passed along to me. Um, I, you know, my dad sort of got into it late in life, uh, or, you know, later in his life when he was, you know, getting sort of getting his career going and met guys who, you know, asked if he wanted to go shooting. He was a devoted fisherman. I mean, he was the kind of, like, when he was really into it, he was the kind of guy who was like, I'm going to New Zealand on my honeymoon. Like I really want to fish. Um, and you know, for him, it was fishing first, hunting was a nice second. And, and he let me sort of get the hang of both of those of which one I wanted to do when I was a kid and hunting definitely just came more naturally to me. Um, there was a level of, uh, ambiguity with fishing for me that I wasn't too stoked on, you know, like, uh, you know, this fly, this fish, just trying to get this here, that, and the other thing. Uh, with hunting, it was like, all right, I know I'm outside. I know what I'm supposed to be doing, what I'm supposed to be looking for. Now let me go. Um, which I loved about that. Um, we, but he, we had a ranch in big timber, Montana still do, which is about an hour West of, um, Bozeman and, or sorry, hour East of Bozeman, excuse me. And I, for me, it was like a, the time school let out in the fall and the summer till it had to go back in the fall. I was totally committed to Montana. It was, it was my place. I loved it. Um, I would spend all summer, every summer growing up here. Um, even when it sort of came time to get a summer job, um, I always opted to go work, uh, either on a family friend's ranch or a neighboring ranch or our own ranch. And so, um, that was sort of my, you know, that was my thing. Um, from, uh, for all the other kids I went to school with back East, it was, it was definitely the, it was, I was the odd man out, but I didn't care. Um, so being exposed to a place like Montana at an early age and letting it get into my blood the way that it has, you know, and like, you know, wanting to learn how to hunt and get better at it. And then sort of as I got older, making it a, just a regular hobby of mine. Um, I'd say that, you know, that's how I got into it. Um, a love of being outside, a love of, um, you know, ranching, a love of sort of being, you know, 
you know, I love dogs from an early age. So I think that's why I like to duck hunt more than I like to do anything else. Um, so there was a bunch of contributing factors, I think. Um, but ultimately, you know, that love of the, of the outdoors and hunting is sort of what's put me in the position that I'm in now with birch barrel. Yeah. When something really, I mean, you're from Pennsylvania, I'm from Michigan, so we're not, you know, we're, we're from a, a probably, yeah, well, I mean, you're from uh, Philly, which is obviously yep. a bit more metro metropolitan than kind of, you know, where, where I grew up, but this still, you know, the Midwest and kind of the East there, like there's, there's a lot of similarities, right? Yeah. And, yeah, 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 absolutely. And when a place like Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, when they get their hooks in you, it doesn't, it doesn't let go easy, man. So I yeah. can see why. Oh, no. I mean, yeah. I was, I, I, you know, I always used to be, I was, I was always stunned, right? I mean, there'd be kids who would be getting picked up from summer, some from summer camp, and they'd be like crying their eyes out, and I would just, I mean, I never understood it. And then, you know, I realized I'm like, well, I cry my eyes out every summer when I have to go back <laughs> to school and leave Montana, right? I mean, um, it just, it's like you said, it sinks your hook, and it's hook into you, and it's game over. It is. It is. I mean, I've, I've spent enough time out West. Um, you know, a lot of, I've, I'm not, I've been out fly fishing quite a few times. Um, I've never had a chance to do any like big game hunting, but I've, I, I'm out there at least once a year in the winter to do some skiing. And every time I leave, I'm just like, why, you know, why, yeah. why am I coming back to Michigan? Yeah. I mean, Michigan's a great place. Don't get me wrong, but, yeah. uh, it, it, it's, it's not, it's not the West and it's, it's allure. I mean, it's kind of this, you know, siren song whenever you, you kind of even think about it, you're just like, yeah, maybe, maybe I can figure out a way to get back out there this, this spring yeah. or fall or whenever it is. I hear you. And you know what the funny thing is too? Like I, I will, I go, like I said, I go home pretty regularly. Um, my entire family's still in Philadelphia and I definitely, you know, love going home, going to an Eagles game or, you know, spending time in Philadelphia with friends and family. But I, every single time I go home, cause I've been in Montana for however many months, I immediately get home and I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go back. Like I'm ready for more. It's like a drug. Honestly, there's, there's, <laughs> there's just something about it that, like you said, it just, it, it wraps you up and doesn't let you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's an addiction. So with, you know, the, the outdoors and, and obviously the role that it's played in your life and the role that it's played in, um, you know, the development and, and the growth and really everything that kind of birch barrel, you know, kind of stands behind and represents, um, you know, the reason we're, we've been able to connect and hop on this podcast, birch barrel, as I, as I mentioned in the intro is a 2% two percent for conservation certified company. So Roby, how was it that, that you first learned about 2% for conservation? You know, what's interesting is that I remember, you know, you know, when I, the first year of starting Birch Barrel, um, I, you know, I was in, I was back and forth from Bozeman quite a bit. Um, it was, this was even before in the process of making the decision to move from Philadelphia to Bozeman to headquarter the business here. And that made sense for a lot of reasons. Um, but I was very active on social, you know, just using Instagram as a tool to learn more about the industry, learn about more who, who was involved with it. Um, and, especially through brands that were local for Bozeman, like um, Stone Glacier, for instance. I mean, those guys were absolutely critical in, in the process of me moving out here and getting things going. Um, like, I knew that they were involved with um, 2%, or 2% for conservation. And then, you know, understanding who, you know, this guy was and what he did. And all of a sudden that led me to a brand like Mountaintop, where I'm like, okay, 
they're involved with 2% for conservation. And um, I think, you know, Lyle Hebel at Stone Glacier, who's a good friend and was a very, you know, big, you know, sort of an advisor for Birch Barrel for me. Uh, and, you know, somebody who I, you know, just admire as a, as a professional and everything that he does. Uh, he, he told me early on, he's like, you know, 2% is a great organization that is, it stands for a lot of the things that you're interested in from an outdoorsman's perspective. And it's a great thing to affiliate with. And it seemed like a, it was a good opportunity for us. Um, and then I hired, uh, I hired Corey Pearsall, uh, to come work with us or, and he was at Sitka for a while and he had done a bunch of work with 2%. And, you know, it just was not, not that I needed convincing. Um, but it clearly was a great organization and something that we wanted to be a part of. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, everything you said there is, is spot on. I mean, you know, Stone Glacier is, is a partner on the podcast. So I've had, I've certainly had, um, a chance to, to work with some of the guys there and, and Lyle, you know, I, I can't sing the guy's praises enough. Kind of just like you said, he's just an awesome dude. And yeah, he's, I, I understand why you have such an immense respect for him, you know, from a professional well, standpoint. I, 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 I pride myself. I have, uh, actually like one of the largest collections of Lyle Hebel artwork in the, uh, in Bozeman. It's all in my office. Uh, <laughs> every single time he launches a print, I seem to end up with one. So, uh, the Birch Barrel headquarters is, is, you know, papered with Lyle's artwork. Right on. Yeah. And then, like you said, when you, when you got into Bozeman, you, you start seeing, you know, a lot of the, uh, other companies that, you know, you like what they do and what they stand for and what they represent. And then you find out that they're, you know, another 2% certified brand. I mean, yeah, like you almost said it, I think. And I was I was going to stop you when you did because it's what 98% of people on the podcast say when they talk about getting certified is it's a no-brainer. And I, I feel like it was on the tip of your tongue there for a second. But then you just, yeah. I think, just use some different wording. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's definitely a no-brainer. Um, it, was, it was an easy yes. And again, for a young company that is you know, in its infancy, if we can't fiscally help out being able to actually physically go and do something that's going to help conservation and help, um, you know, you know, the land that we like to play on, you know, be, you know, sorry, protect that is, is awesome. Um, because, you know, yeah, we're not, we don't have the budget to you know, help go and do a bunch that's going to really make a huge difference, but do we have our time to go out and do a river cleanup with Corey? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, and that's the cool thing about 2% is, you know, there's so many different ways that you can spend your time, uh, giving back to conservation, especially from a, like a boots on the ground standpoint, right? I mean, river cleanups, uh, you know, trailhead fence poles, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. Right. And that's, you know, that's, what's great about them. And, you know, every little bit helps. Right. And especially like from a startup standpoint, like if you, if you just look at like a monetary standpoint, you know, like, 1% of what, you know, Birch Barrel and 1% of, of Sika is probably going to be a little bit different, right, from a financial yeah. standpoint. But it's all, like, it's Jared Frazier, the, the executive director of 2%. He's mentioned this, you know, a few times. It's like conservation is not a competition, right? Like everyone no. that, that's made yeah. the commitment uh, should be applauded regardless of, you know, how much, you know, if, if what they're giving isn't as much as another person, like they're still giving, they're still making that effort and, and wanting to, you know, see a change uh, for the better in whatever, you know, project that they're working on. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, uh, absolutely. I mean, it's, just, oh, sorry, getting a 
sorry, call came in. No, um, you're good. Um, yeah, no, you uh, you hit the nail on the head. So, what are some of the organizations that uh, Birch Barrel is working with? So we we're we're obviously doing two um, percent for conservation, um, as we've just talked about. Uh, another program that we're involved with that I am very excited about is Heroes and Horses um, out of, and they're another, another I, th- I think they're still Bozeman based, um, but they have a great ranch now out in, uh, not in Twin Bridges, Virginia City. Uh, and that's a, a veteran organization started by Micah Fink, who's an awesome, awesome guy and all, incredible, mind-blowing story. Um, and in addition to that, the E3 Foundation, um, E3 Meets is a uh, ranch down in Kansas, and they uh, have been great partners for us, A, from a marketing perspective, and they're just awesome guys, but they have this great E3 foundation that focuses on a couple of things. I know that they are veteran-oriented, uh, anti-traffic-oriented. Uh, There's a lot of uh, a lot of great things that they're doing as well. So, uh, you know, we, we sort of have a little bit of everything, um, you know, but 2% is more of our, our outdoor uh, industry, uh, conservation, public land, so on and so forth. And then we have uh, veterans organization as well. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And I've, I've listened to a lot of podcasts, uh, kind of covering a lot of different topics. And one thing that I've, I've heard in a lot of these, you know, kind of varying uh, spaces is how um, kind of therapeutic, I guess, I don't know, we'll say that, uh, you know, the outdoors and things like that can be for, for a lot of these veterans who, you know, went through some stuff that I, you know, will never fully understand. You know, a lot of us will never, yeah. will never understand, you know, things that they saw, things that, you know, they, you know, had to be a part of, you know, for, for, for yep. guys like you and I to sit here and, and, and talk on a podcast. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that I, that really resonated with me most, especially with heroes and horses is that like they're bringing guys back and they, they, you know, they're guys who were probably having a hard time. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. Um, but ultimately bringing them back and then saying, you know what, rather than try to, you know, medicate against the issue or, you know, you know, don't use some sort of therapy that might not be conventional to help them get it. It's a, it's a total disorientation, right? It's like they bring them out here. And they make them focus on sort of a clean living, focus on, you know, understanding horsemanship and, you know, understanding the Western landscape. And by getting out there and doing those things, it's, it's not necessarily, I mean, I'm not doing a great job of explaining it, but ultimately it's a, it's a, you know, it's an immersion and it's putting them in a position where they can sort of focus on themselves. So a few more questions here, real before I let you get out of here. I know it's, it's Friday afternoon. uh, no, it's uh, it's all good. I've got plenty of time. Yeah. So, is there anything that you can maybe divulge or talk about that maybe Birch Barrel has in the works? Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, you guys are still kind of in the in the startup phase. We talked about that. But um, any like new products that you guys are working on, or, or anything like that, that you might be able to share? Or are you going to kind of stick with uh, the barrel for now and just really, you know, kind of? Yeah, we're we're very focused on the barrel. Um, we want to. You know, we want to get the barrel. You know, the barrel. We, like I said, we sort of went through our first iteration last year, um, and uh, you know, got it. Had some issues with the product at first. Nothing, nothing major, um, but just random performance issues, a couple of quality issues, and we sort of just launched V2 last spring. And I shouldn't say honestly, I shouldn't even call it V2, but we just launched the the new and improved Birch Barrel last spring, and it's really, you know, really doing well and being re- well received. 
So we're going to continue with that. Um, there are definitely some things that I'm going to play my cards close to the vest sure. on and I get know, let, let the, uh, let consumers be, be surprised. But, you know, I think we've got some, some exciting stuff on the way. And then we've got some stuff that's already been released. Uh, we launched a, a all Amer- you know, handmade American knife earlier this year, a chef's knife that I'm really excited about. Um, we have some great, you know, just other accessories like cutting boards and our gloves, so on and so forth. And then we'll start, uh, you know, we'll start getting a little bit more seasonally driven by things like, um, you know, shirts, hats, swag items. Uh, and we also have some spices on the way too, which um, they should, those aren't a big mystery or anything like that, but uh, you know, they're going to be awesome once we get those out in the, in the, play, in the, in the universe as well. No, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, I mean the, the swag was kind of, I mean, it's kind of a, an assumed thing, right? Especially. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, those, I mean, those aren't even like the money makers, right? I mean, it's, it's just a right. way for people to be able to, I mean, even if you break any, break even on them, right. It's, it's a way yeah. for people to, to represent the brand and to let other people know. And now that's, that's super cool. And the spices, yeah, that one, while I hadn't seen it uh, myself, I mean, that, that makes total sense uh, to be able to yeah. kind of curate, you know, flavor profiles, you know, even more with, with what you guys yep. are doing with the barrel. Yeah. And you know, as far as the, you know, the, the shirts and hats go, I mean, like we want to, we want people to be stoked to wear our, our stuff and it's sort of, that's a day one thing for me. Right. I mean, believe it, build a brand that people believe in and want to be a part of, you know, if they're willing to wear a shirt and hat of your, you know, no one's putting on a Weber hat. No one's putting on a uh, big green egg t-shirt. So I think the fact that we have anybody wearing our gear at all is, uh, is a leg up for us. Yeah. And I don't mean to like speak ill of, of those two companies, but I, whenever I think of, when I think of like wearing a, a Weber grill, like hat or uh, no, if I think of wearing a oh, Weber grill t-shirt, I think of like a very boxy Hanes 100% cotton shirt that just. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. <laughs> no, it's, it's not, it's not the best. Um, so, but it's also, it's like, it's kind of ridiculous, right? You, you, no one's putting a Weber sticker on their, uh, on their cooler or on the back of their car. So yeah, well, we, you, uh, you, you said that early on, right? Like building a brand where someone wants to put your sticker on their truck. And like, that's, 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 that's prime real estate. I mean, it is, it absolutely it, is like, yeah. it's uh, if I'm willing to put someone's sticker on my truck, I mean, I, I put stickers on, on lots of shit, my, my computer, my coolers, whatever. But if it's going on my truck, you know, everyone's going to see yeah. that. I mean, that's, that's yeah. prime real You're estate. committed. Exactly. Yep. And totally. to, to build a brand that, that you want to put the sticker on your truck. I mean, that's, that's, that's a very good way to put it. And, and I think you guys have certainly, uh, you know, to this point, and I think you guys are just going to continue to knock it out of the park, but you guys have definitely built that type of brand and, and, uh, you know, congratulations to you and the team there. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. So one more question here, Roby. We're we're kind of yeah. smack dab in the hunting season. Obviously, in the West, you guys have kicked off, you know, earlier this month. So any big uh, hunts or trips that you got planned for this fall that you're looking forward to? You know, nothing nothing too big planned. Um, I am actually a relatively new uh, resident of Montana, so I'm just going to have uh, my general tag this year, which I'm excited about. And, um, be able to get that over the counter as opposed to doing the arduous, uh, out of state or non-resident lottery process, which yeah. is painful, um, which I'm really excited about that. Um, and so, you know, I'm going to try and get a nice deer this year. I'll probably forego, uh, an elk this year just cause the freezer is already 
pretty full and I don't really see a lot of sense in, you know, trying to go after a cow for no reason. doesn't really, uh, doesn't do it for me. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to do, I, uh, you know, I was moving to Montana. The big game thing sort of took over with one, you know, deer hunt and elk hunt. And I didn't duck hunt as much as I wanted to last year. And that really, uh, was a bummer. So, uh, I'm excited to do some more waterfowling this, this fall, uh, as well as some upland stuff. So those, uh, those are probably my top priorities. Um, you know, some, some wing shooting. Right on. No, I mean, I'd imagine that, uh, duck and, you know, partridge or pheasant or whatever, are going to taste just as good on the yep. grill as elk or, uh, or venison would. So no, for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, it's, uh, you know, not all of it's good and that uh you know doing it around the barrels uh not a bad way to do it yeah so no well roby i really appreciate it man uh it was great to kind of hear you know more about your story and, and you know really kind of the uh origin and inception of birch barrel and to see where you guys have come in such a short amount of time is really cool and uh you know i can't wait to see what you guys have in the future I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Marcus. This was fun. And uh, looking forward to catching up with you in person sometime. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Roby. Have a good weekend, man. Take care of yourself. Thanks. Talk to you. Yep. All right. Well, thanks again to Roby for taking some time to hop on the podcast with me today. I would like to thank the sponsors of the podcast, Stone Glacier, Wild Rivers Coffee, and Go Hunt, as well as 2% for Conservation. And if you're interested in learning more about 2% for Conservation, you can Visit their website, fishandwildlife.org, and there you can see all the certified brands that have committed to conservation, including Birch Barrel, that you should support when you shop. I also encourage you guys to follow 2% on social media, where they're going to post only positive, conservation-driven content, so you'll definitely enjoy that in your feed. So again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for conservation, you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for joining me this week, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the episode with Roby. Uh, For those of you in the Midwest, um, a lot of your seasons are kicking off this weekend, so best of luck in the woods, shoot straight, stay safe, and remember that conservation starts with you.